The following Dharma talk was given by monastic Shoan Ankele at Zen Mountain Monastery. Shoan is a Dharma holder in the Mountains and Rivers Order. This talk, like all of our talks, is given free of charge. If you would like to make a donation or find out more about our various programs, visit us online at zmm.org. Thank you for listening. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, everyone on the love stream. So, from Genjo Koan by Master Dogen. When you ride in a boat, and, but when you keep your eyes closely on the boat, you can see that the boat moves. Similarly, if you examine the myriad things with a confused body and mind, you might suppose that your mind and essence are permanent. When you practice intimately and return where you are, it will be clear that nothing at all has unchanging self. We are finishing a weekend session um, this weekend. And while we have been practicing here, Shugen Roshi has been in New Zealand, <laughs> meaning that his trip to actually go there was canceled last minute because some folks got COVID and the Sangha suggested, you know what, this actually maybe is not such a good time for you to make this long trip. So um, he has traveled to New Zealand in his body-mind. He is holding a New Zealand schedule and participating fully in the New Zealand Sangha session from down the road in the Abbasy. Breaking down barriers of space and time in new and unprecedented ways. But from here, in this hall, within this weekend session, I wanted to um, use this opportunity to reflect on what it is that we're doing and the deep level and why it matters. We are working on a deep level. Sometimes we can see that and it's very obvious to us. And other times it feels like we are just kicking away on the surface and we can't get any depth. But simply by virtue of stopping, of releasing the tired and failed notion that our problems will be solved by getting, getting everything out here in proper order, we are desperate enough, crazy enough, to try a radically different approach. We experience suffering in our lives. And our ordinary sense, I think, certainly the conventional view, is that shit's a mess out there and it needs to be taken care of. And, of course, that is totally true. And um, 
we can't lose sight of that. But if we're going to look more deeply at what is going on, we're going to need to turn inside and look here. When you ride in a boat and watch the shore, you might assume that the shore is moving. But when you keep your eyes closely on the boat, you can see that the boat moves. You know those spinning tops where there's like a picture on the top that you can see, and then when you spin it, or those ones that you like plunge, (laughs) and it starts to whir, it's no longer a clear picture, it's just bands of color, and it looks really solid. I was thinking of that as I um, was sitting with these lines by Dogen. And the illusion of outer and inner, the movement that's generated that we don't see, that's invisible to us, unless we really refine and make a practice of looking, we don't see. But from the depths of the Dharma, the teaching is that your mind is creating the whole of your experience. And it's moving so quickly, you mistake it for coming in from outside. What this means is that we are in the seat of our own power. We may not recognize that, but that's what we're discovering. What is that power? How do we connect to it? How do we use it? It's not our power after all. It's nobody's power. But still, we can use it. What a worthy endeavor. One of the I think, heartbeats of Zen practice and and maybe Mahayana Buddhism more generally is this teaching that the idea that we have to get rid of or shut something out or exile some part of ourselves or turn away from the problem is a fundamentally (laughs) mistaken and deeply problematic view. The sense of a problem is actually our own creation. That's what I mean by the movement. Sometimes you can see this, right? That you're the one who's freaking out about the thing and making it a big deal, and actually it's, it's fine. It's maybe not how you like it, but there's not actually like a problem. And when we look more and more and more deeply, we can see more and more and more just how far this teaching reaches. It's uncomfortable making how complete and true it is. That attitude of problem When we zoom out, right, we're in our own fixed position, our own view, our own perspective. That's pretty much always where a problem originates. 
And if we can kind of shake that loose a little bit and zoom out, we can see like, oh, there are causes and conditions. There is a situation, but it's not intrinsically a problem. That may or may not help in any given moment, and we still may have a situation on our hands that we need to address, but it can completely shift our relationship to our life and our experience. It can completely shift how it is that we take up and engage all the circumstances of our reality. It's like clouds pass over the sun and the meadow is now in shadow. Or in the scorching heat of summer, that stream dries out. Where is the problem? It's not outside. At the deepest level, how do we discover this? Dogen says, if you examine myriad things with a confused body and mind, you might suppose that your mind and essence are permanent. That's our fixed position. Me and everything else. But when you practice intimately, letting go of the self, just cleaning the sink, just sweeping the floor, just making that phone call. When you practice intimately and return where you are, it will be clear that nothing at all has unchanging self. So the Dharma is to see beneath the surface of things and to see through all of our patterns and habits and confusion. And sorry to say, it doesn't happen in one great lightning flash of insight. Even if we get to have that kind of experience, It's not going to be the whole thing. Instead, perhaps better to refer to that teaching which says, many short moments of recognition repeated. Short moments of recognition repeated. So this view of no permanent, unchanging self, they talk about this all the time. Why is it such a big deal? Like, okay, I'm getting older. I see that. We're all going to die. We know that. How closely can you study this boat? We are change. We are nothing but change. Hopefully that makes you feel better and less like a crazy person. (laughs) I remember, I think I will always remember this. 
being on an airplane, flying out west to see my dear friend. And um, it was, I think it was uh, somewhere during my postulancy. So I was discerning about a monastic life. And I had such, um, I had so much mental turmoil around this question of whether to make this my life or not. And I remember like sitting on the plane. It's so vivid because I was like writing in my journal and finally it all just started to break down and I was writing like, I feel like I'm fucking crazy. Like what is going on? Like da, 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 da. I couldn't like keep it still or centered for a moment. Yes, no, I love it, I hate it. And I remember thinking like, okay, if this situation ever resolves, I will be able to use this. <laughs> our habits and our patterns, how we've lived, how those around us have lived, the culture that we're in, all of these different conditions, all of these are shaping those changes, right? If we use the metaphor of the boat as our self, then we're like perhaps in the rapids right? This way and that way and this way and that way. So much movement, so much change. And so if we're interpreting the world as a place that is um, an environment in which we are situated, this is a problematic view. Instead, to appreciate that we are just part of this relational dance. We say everything is empty of a fixed and separate self. We are in relationship with everything. That's kind of um, a way that you could understand what are we talking about when we talk about emptiness? It's not like a big void. It's not a black hole. Those are things that I used to think about. It's like, I'm going for the void, bring it in, come on. No, 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 you can throw that out. Thank goodness, who wants to live in a black hole anyway? No, it's like, there's no fixed anything. Look, 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 look. You won't find it. We have this illusion that we're at the center, sort of like holding the whole thing steady and everything else is moving around us. That's why we have to get so still and so quiet and spend so long exhaustively investigating, getting fooled and confused over and over and over again. The habit is so deep. It goes back lifetimes. Totally. I think so. But then we can begin to see, oh, what if this is true? I'm still having my experience. I'm still caught up in things I like and don't like. I'm still having to make choices. But I have a different understanding about what's going on. And perhaps some of that contraction that comes when we contract something that actually isn't contracted can be loosened. And with the loosening, 
and the spaciousness. Perhaps there's some healing. Not just for ourselves, for everybody. We are so in this together. We are so in this together. Gokhan quoted Charlotte Joko Beck. She's one of my, um, I don't know, treasured Dharma elders who I've never met but know through her, her, her teachings. And she has this, uh, another boat. She says, this is from Everyday Zen, suppose we're out on a lake and it's a bit foggy. Not too foggy, but a bit foggy. And we're rowing along in our little boat, having a good time. And then all of a sudden, coming out of the fog, there's this other rowboat, and it's heading right at us, and crash. Well, for a second, we're really angry. What is that fool doing? I just painted my boat, and here they come, crashing right into it. And then suddenly we notice that the rowboat is empty. There's no one in it. What happens to our anger? Well, that anger collapses. I'll just have to paint my boat again. That's all. But if that rowboat that hit ours had another person in it, how would we react? You know what would happen. Now, our encounters with life, with other people, with events, are like being bumped by an empty rowboat. We don't experience it that way. We experience it as though there are people in that other rowboat and we're really getting clobbered by them. What am I talking about when I say that all of life is an encounter, a collision with an empty rowboat? What is that all about? Whoa. I love that um, metaphor of like the cosmic dance, you know? And when I can touch in with that and kind of feel like here we all are, these elemental energies, these bodies in space and time with our histories and our stories kind of um, mutually polishing, as Gokhan said. Um, I can really feel myself um, release Space open up. It's a different life. Those old wounds can start to heal. And so if we start to appreciate, okay, well, so everything is in a dynamic relationship. Nothing is fixed we can actually take that view and hold it very close to how we work with ourself. Because of course, this is the fundamental relationship. How are we working with our own feelings? How are we working with our thoughts? How are we working with our tendencies, our patterns? Can we appreciate that they are also not fixed that there's no sort of core self who's like beset by all these issues, that it's all moving energy, 
Any habits or patterns that we have, we come by them honestly. The fruit of causes and conditions going back across time, lifetimes, I think. And so our relationship to our own negativity, our own doubt, our own anger, or depression, or confusion, how can we work with that? It's not about exiling. It's not about fixing. It's not about getting rid of. What would you get rid of? And where would you exile it to? To practice intimately means you open the door. You get close. Not as an idea, as an embodied experience happening in the present. So the flash of memory may take us someplace, but it's happening now. Can we touch it now? Get close and you see for yourself what happens. We're not pitted against ourselves. We are in a sacred relationship. And so how do we use our heart and mind and body to honor our own suffering? In a um, recent uh, study session, with uh, Shugen Roshi between the, the seniors and the monastics. Um, we meet once a month on Zoom. Um, Roshi was speaking about our offending thoughts and that we, we, we have fear, you know, we have fear around our um, afflictive emotions, our uh, difficult mind states. And he said, you don't have to be so afraid. If you don't seize them, there's no problem. Is that what's happening when I'm suffering? Am I seizing a state? We have to look really close to see. Yes, that's what's happening. We're freezing something that's moving. If we can let it move, it doesn't mean that everything's like, you know, rosy. There's uncomfortable sensation, definitely, definitely. But it's different. It's different. Roshi said, the moment that negativity arises is the moment we have the possibility of transformation. I mean, take that in, you know, like, take that home. <laughs> there was an intro to Zen weekend where I did the art practice, and we did, you know, like, with the Sumie ink, and we, like, drew our breath, and then we did, like, no-look drawings of each other. We did, like, all of these things, and we were, like, sharing it in the center. And at the end, you know, I was, like, 
we got all together and I was like, so any, any questions? And this one woman was like, so what's the takeaway? <laughs> I wish I could live that moment over. Yeah, I was a little like, uh, uh, yeah. But so the takeaway, <laughs> the takeaway, what is the takeaway? <laughs> the takeaway is that anytime a moment of negativity arises, wait, stop, stop. That's a door. What? Yes. Yes. All those moments of negativity that we dread, that we try to shut out, that we're trying to avoid, that's your door. Slow down. Slow down. Practice intimacy. Practice not knowing. Come in touch with your body. Open up to the discomfort. It's just sensations, they're moving. And get help if you need it. If you're in too deep, reach out. So in a very real way, we are learning skillfulness. And as our confidence grows in the fact that there is no threat, that we're okay, that we can have all of these experiences, even if they're really difficult and uncomfortable, then we can really open up the doors. We can really take down the walls. Or if we're still in that boat, we can really just like enjoy the ride all that water spewing in over the side. It's kind of refreshing. (laughs) It's alive. This happens moment by moment by moment. And sometimes when I've heard that, I've thought, God, that sounds exhausting. Like so many moments, so much practice. You know what's exhausting. I am not even gonna say it because you know what's exhausting. So it's kind of like, okay, the empty boat that bumps into us, our boat is empty too, and yet we have this life, and we're working to understand how can we hold all of these pieces, these moving parts, in sacred relationship, because we do have this Buddha mind. We do have this experience. It is happening. And we're in the power seat if we learn how to use it. So we have practices to help us. Zazen, of course, within Zen is fundamental. To get still, to stop the outer movement, to turn inward, to touch our experience directly as it's actually happening to see just how seductive the pull to go outside is and to work with returning to the present, 
continually returning to this present experience. Always, you always have that. You always have that. And if you can't find it, remember your breath. Use that. We have practices of liturgy. So if you haven't explored on your own, uh, maybe get curious. How can you create? So we create like an external sacred space to be able to better relate with our ever-present, internal, unbounded, sacred space. We put the elements on the altar, fire and earth and water and air, to reflect like we're made of those same elements. Everything around is. And they're in a shift, they're in a play. And we can make an offering. We make that outer offering in a sense to have the offering that transcends inner and outer. Who is it that we're giving it to? Where are these ancestors, after all? I remember when Rebecca Lee was here and leading her retreat here. At the close, she talked about um, leaving retreat and going home and kind of integrating the experience of retreat into your life at home. And that often there's a tendency to think like, okay, like, that was so conducive, that was so helpful at the monastery or at the retreat. Like, I need to set up my home so that I have those same conducive conditions. And she offered this wonderful metaphor of like, when you learn to drive, you learn to drive in an empty parking lot. But the point of driving is not just to keep driving around the empty parking lot, right? <laughs> It's like to take the car out on the freeway and like travel around and go about the business of your life. And so in the same way, right, we're here, we're learning to drive in these very conducive conditions. But the point isn't to like go home and tell our family to be quiet because we're going to need six hours to be completely still and silent. No, no. This is our training ground. And then we go out and we use what we've learned because it's completely ours. It has to do with how we use our mind. It's not limited to a place. It's not limited by any conditions. Practice intimately. Return to where you are. The moment that negativity arises, see that that's an opportunity. Turn toward it, not away. I have a poem, A Third Boat. <laughs> this is a poem from 17th century China by the nun, Jing No. She was a Dharma heir of a woman Chan master. And some of her poetry is collected in an anthology called Daughters of Emptiness. And um, 
This poem is called Mooring My Boat at Suchao. My little boat drops anchor tonight. From afar, I gaze at the closed city gates. As the rosy mist descends, the riverbank clouds darken. As the crow returns to roost, the mountain moon shines. But this little boat still has a long way to go. And the thousand-mile traveler's heart is unsettled. The noise of the drums makes it difficult to sleep. And that rustling sound, from whence does it come? I wanted to bring this in because I found it a reminder of how just tender and vulnerable we are all along the way. And to hold in our minds some idea of um, accomplishment or arrival is not so helpful. That's a very samsaric view. Can you see that? We say, just practice. Just practice. Trust the process. Trust yourself. When goals arise, see that for what it is. Another very deep habit you've imported and imbibed. Here she is in her boat, still so far to go. The drums keeping her awake. And what is that rustling? So from within our experience, not to expect some pristine state, not to be scrambling for like the big Eureka. This is it. We're doing it together. We're doing it together. Can you feel that? At the Ango Intensive, somebody asked Shugen Roshi a question. (laughs) The question was something like, how is it that a great artist can be expressing the Dharma even though they're not a practitioner. And Roshi said, because it's being expressed all the time. And then he quoted, paraphrased, a portion of the Lotus Sutra. And he said, we are always in the Buddha's house, wearing the Buddha's robe, sitting on the Buddha's seat. We are always in the Buddha's house, wearing the Buddha's robe, sitting on the Buddha's seat. This is the transmission. This is the teaching that we bring to life with each other when we come together to practice. 
It is a very particular way of addressing the suffering and the ills of the world. It is a deep addressing. It is going to the root. We are a small band in this crazy Saha world. But we need to keep this Dharma alive. And we do that by showing up and practicing, by grappling with our life and working with the teachings, by going back into the world and living in contact with this depth. It is so important. Sometimes I think we can see for ourselves how practice matters in our own life, and we may lose the larger view. So your other takeaway is like, hold that larger view also. Yes, we practice for ourselves, And in ways that we will never know, we are practicing for others. It has to be taken care of. So much goes against. It would be so easy to lose. The conventional view is so convincing. Who would doubt it? Isn't it amazing to be in the company of all the doubters? Thank you for listening. To find out more about ZMM's programs, retreats, and residency, please visit us online at zmm.org.